Hey, welcome back to our study of the Dhammapada. Today we continue on with verses number 9 and 10, which read, Anikasa vokasa vang yo vatang paridahisati Apeto dhammasachena na so kasa vamarahati Yo cha vantakasa vasa sile susamahito Upeto dhammasachena Okay, and the translation is Anikasavo kaasavang For a person who hasn't uh, removed the colors from themselves Yo watang paridahisati Yo kaasavang watang paridahisati The order is, is poetic But actually the meaning is One who who without removing the color or the stain from one's mind, dons the stained or the colored robe as their cloth. Apeto dhammasachena, with, uh, with one who is without um, patience and truth, or truth. Such a person, na so marahati. Such a person is not worthy of the colored robe, meaning the, the monk's robe. Yocha Vantakasavasa for a person who has dispelled or, or gone or removed the stains from their mind. Silesusamahito who is um, well balanced in their morality. Upeto Dhammasachina who is endowed with patience uh, or training and truth. Satwe Kasavamarahati. Such a person is uh, such a person is indeed worthy of the colored robe. So this is a story about the different uh, types of monk. The, a, a person who is a monk who is worthy of wearing the monk's robe and a, and a monk who is not worthy. Now there's a play on words here. The word colored uh, or kasawa which, which can mean stained or, or the, the, um, the dye which is used to color the robe but it's used also to mean the stains that exist in the mind. A person who has stains isn't worthy of the stained robe. A person who is stainless is worthy of this, the stained robe. This is the play on words. Okay, and this was told in regards to a story about Devadatta. <clears throat> now, Devadatta, there's going to be many stories about him. He's another one of the Buddha's cousins, and he plays a very prominent role in Buddhist uh, legend or Buddhist history, however you want to look at it, uh, in in that he uh, tried several times to kill the Buddha in various ways, according to the stories, uh, and we'll come to them uh, hopefully eventually. Uh, he also uh, was responsible for a schism in the Sangha in the Buddhist community. He divided the monks up uh, based on, well, hopefully something that we'll come to as well. But this story specifically relates to during this time when he was causing a whole lot of trouble and really being a general nuisance uh, and, and, and was very arrogant and um, self-elevating uh, and, and uh, you know, thought, thought a lot of himself and, and was acting very poor, as a very poor specimen of, of a monk, you know, having tried to kill the Buddha and so on. Uh, that it so happened that there was a <clears throat> a very large gift giving and 
One of the things that Devadatta was, um, was guilty of was uh, corrupting um, his, his lay supporters. So the people who supported him, he had ways of, of giving them, passing on wrong views to them. And uh, he was actually able to convince a prince, the prince of Rajagaha, to kill his father, King Bimbisara. Uh, but there are many examples of this, and, and he was in general guilty of that, and guilty of um, of uh, encouraging wrong views in, in his followers and wrong understanding, and as a result, pitting them against um, against each other and against the other monks. So he would do things to ingratiate himself and himself uh, to the the lay people. You know, he would he would perform services and act in general a lot like a priest. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. You know, he would do ceremonies and, and you know, basically following after people's desires and wishes. So when monks came who were just going to teach meditation, the people are like, you know, well, we're looking for uh, you know, someone to bless our crops or to bless our children or to find us a way so we can make lots of money or something. And, you know, that's what Devadatta does. So what good are you? And, and, and they wouldn't even listen or follow after them. Basically, they had so much... Uh, defilement and stain in their mind because of their encouragement uh, as on, at the hands of Devadatta and other corrupt monks that they weren't willing to listen to those monks who taught meditation. And uh, so at this gift giving it happened that there was a very expensive robe and they were trying to decide whether to give it to the, the Buddha's chief disciple Sariputta who we'll hear about in the next story or whether they were should give it to another monk and, and some people say well let's give it to Devadatta because Sariputta he comes and goes it seems like he's here when, the, when there's food and he's gone when there's not and he doesn't come to visit us he doesn't come to see us other times but Devadatta is always there and they say just like a, a water pot it's always, always there when you need it as indeed he was very in very close relationship with the lay people um, which is considered very improper especially in the way that he was engaging with them. Um, but so they decided uh, by a very slim majority that they would give it to Devadatta uh, because of, there was a lot of misunderstanding about what a monk, uh, what a, a proper monk is like. And so they gave it to this monk who was, you know, a, 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 he was a, an attempted murder, he had attempted murder on the Buddha and created a schism and was in general a very poor specimen of a monk. So the monks started, you know, spreading this around amongst each other, like how, how on earth could Devadatta have gotten this great robe? And they brought it back to the Buddha and, and asked the Buddha, you know, isn't this really crazy that he should, you know, be able to get this monk? I mean, isn't there such a thing as, as justice in, in the world where, um, you know, you, you can, you know, how is it that, he, how is this possible? And the, Buddhas, the Buddha uh, told a story of the past. He said, well, this is just like Devadatta. He's that sort of person who, who uh, you know, tricks people and, and uh, is able to get his way um, you know, simply because he's wearing this, this, this robe and he's able to abuse the position. Because actually, you know, the truth is he has some good karma or he's done some good in terms of his meditation practice or in terms of his renunciation, but then he's abused the position. You know, he became a monk and, and there's a great power and, and a great responsibility that comes with this. So he took the power and, and threw aside the responsibility. As a result, he became a great leader in his community and people followed him and he abused their, their trust in many ways. Uh, and and uh, in, including, you know, receiving these fine gifts and, and encouraging people to give him these fine gifts. Um, and becoming very attached and very proud about them. 
But so the story the Buddha told was of the time in, in you know, whenever eons and eons ago when Devadatta was a hunter and he would hunt elephants. And he found it very difficult, of course, to hunt elephants. After a while they became suspicious and they, uh, of all humans and they, they uh, would be very careful when they saw humans coming because of, of the, the, they knew that humans were out to kill them for their tusks and so on. Uh, and you can even see that in Sri Lanka now. The, the elephants can be very suspicious of humans because they, they have suffered a lot at the hands of humans in the past. Uh, so, but, but they had one exception, and, and this is what the, this hunter found out. He watched them, and he found out that uh, they had one exception among them, and that is this, the, the monks who were wearing these rags. Uh, the, the people who were wearing these rags who were ascetics. So anyone who was wearing these, this ragged cloth uh, who had gone off into the forest to practice meditation and had left the evils and the corruptions of society behind, uh, they would... Uh, honor and revere these, such a person. So when they saw them, they would bend down and pay respect to them and just be in general, you know, very receptive towards them. I've heard that this also happens here in Sri Lanka, although I don't think it happens for the majority of cases. I would say in the majority of cases, uh, monks have trouble with elephants as well. But uh, it's, it is said that at this time, there was an exception among the elephants because they... Well, what happened, I guess, is they would get used to the, the nature of the mind of someone who was wearing the cloth, and they would come to see that, come to associate the cloth with a peaceful mind, because they would see so many peaceful and, and even enlightened beings. So this hunter saw this, and he 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 he, he, um, he, he created this this uh, came up with this, this idea in his mind that uh, he would uh, he would. Um, uh, he would pretend to be a, uh, an, an ascetic and as a result he would be able to hunt these elephants. So there was a private, a Pacheka Buddha, an enlightened being who, would, uh, who the elephants particularly revered and, and uh, thought very highly of. And when this, this ascetic was bathing in the river, he went and stole the ascetic's robes, when, which he had left by the side of the river. Yeah, it was that bad. And he put the robes on, and he went and stood by the elephants. And when the elephants went by, the last elephant to go by would come and bend down and pay respect to him, and then he would throw his spear and kill the elephant. And he did this, actually. He was able to do this several times until the leader of the elephant herd came. It came that the bodhisattva, the Buddha-to-be, uh, was born as an elephant and came to be the head of the elephant herd. And he... Um, he, he he started to notice that the herd was decreasing. There was uh, there were fewer and fewer elephants in his herd, and he realized there must be some some reason for this. And then he thought of this ascetic, and he said, "Hmm, you know, maybe there's a connection here with this uh, ascetic that we go by every day, and then suddenly there's one of our group is missing." And so uh, after that, he decided. He said, "I'll go at the end. You guys go ahead, and I'll I'll take up the rear." And all the elephants would go by, and at the end. Then they came to this uh, this ascetic or this hunter, and he he saw the hunter, and so he stood there and waited and looked at the hunter. And the hunter pulled out his spear, and the elephant stepped back, and the spear when he threw the spear it missed him. And then the elephant started talking to the hunter and saying, "Oh, what a terrible thing you do! How can you do this?" Uh, at first, no. At first, he tried to. What happened was, at first, he tried to kill the, the the hunter, and he was very angry, and he was going to smash the hunter to bits. And then the hunter 
in his in his hurry to get away, he held up the robe, or he 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 put the robe over his head, or something. And the elephant saw the robe, and he realized well, this is not right. He said, uh, "That robe has some great meaning, and if I were to commit violence um, in in you know towards this person, I would be." Um, I would be committing a, a horrible sin and I would be disrupting this tradition of paying respect to people in the robe. This is what he thought. And so he didn't and he just said, he scolded the hunter and said, oh, what a terrible thing you've done. So the Buddha said, this is, an, uh, you know, this is the sort of thing that Devadatta does. He, he, he's, he didn't really ordain with the right reasons or with the right idea of what he was doing and so his meditation went in the way of gaining magical powers and didn't get anywhere beyond that. Once he got these magical powers, he became conceited and very much attached to them and attached to his, uh, his gain and so on. And uh, as, a, as a result, he, he, uh, his corruptions and his mental stains never, um, never left him. So this is, uh, this is the story. Now in regards to what this, uh, the, the teaching that this has for us, I think it's a a good opportunity for us to talk in general about what it means to be a monk. Um, and really, what, what the difference between is between a monk and a priest. Um, because a priest is someone who takes on the role of a monk or a, a religious leader uh, as a position or as a, a role in the community. Uh, whereas a, a monk is really not like that. The, the, uh, the priest is the official and so they wear these robes and then they will even take them off when they're not officiating at a ceremony. Uh, a priest is someone who acts as an intermediary between oneself and, and uh, the higher powers or the higher aspects of reality. Uh, you know, obviously thinking about God and, and heaven and so on. So it's someone who leads people in, in, uh, in prayer um, or or brings people's prayers to heaven or so on, or however you want to look at it. And so, um, I think in Buddhism we have both of these. And you, you can hear people call the Buddhist monks priests. And uh, it's really an unfortunate name and it really doesn't have any place in the Buddhist teaching. But the people who they call priests in general tend to be fulfilling that role. Now whether it's because of the expectations of the lay people or, be, or the expectations of the lay people are, are based on the actions of the, the, the quote-unquote priests. Uh, hard to tell, and I would say it goes both ways. The people are people, and they're encouraging each other's defilements. So what happens is, in general is um, maybe people had, the, had some good intentions in ordaining or thought, hey, this is a neat idea. You know, they see the problems in society, and they aren't able to find happiness in society, so they hear about this teaching and, and they think that'd be a good idea, maybe that, maybe that will bring me happiness. But they're unable to leave behind their ideas of uh, what happiness is, the ideas that sensual pleasure can bring happiness. And so when faced with the choice between finding you know, uh, material gain and praise and fame and uh, material happiness, uh, as opposed to putting out work and uh, you know, effort in terms of giving up and renouncing, uh, renouncing and, uh, and, and leaving behind uh, and, and sort of straightening, the, straightening out your act and, and you know, purifying the mind, really. Uh, they, they will tend to incline more towards the material side. And so 
they will tend to gravitate towards those acts that bring these about and as a result they will become good at chanting, good at ceremony, good at ritual. Uh, you know, simply based on the animal urge, urge towards um, th this material pleasure or this, you know, based on these addictions which are really what we're trying to do away with and it, it's, it's just a natural course of affairs because they have these strong addictions and, and they're acting and cultivating them. And of course as they, they interact more with lay people as a result and you know, lay people come to the monks with their defilements and say I want this and want that uh, they st it starts to wear off onto the monks as we saw with the story of Chulakala and Mahakala. Chulakala he didn't do any meditating he spent all his time surrounded by lay people and so on and as a result he never really uh, changed. He was never able to give up his addictions and his attachments. When the time came for for him to disrobe, he was like, yeah, okay, fine. And and he went back to his home life with his wives and, and his family. Uh, we see this nowadays. I think... Um, I think one thing I'd like to talk about in, in this regard is, is, is really how we should relate to it. Because I, th I see some things, some ways of, of relating to these sorts of people that are really improper. On the one hand, um, well, there's many ways actually. One, one of the ways is the ways that, that we monks will relate to these sorts of people. Uh, and I think it's with uh, far too much tolerance and... Um, not, not, maybe not, not exactly tolerance. Yeah, I think tolerance is maybe a good word. With far too much, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but we do far too little in regards to to these sorts of people. Even just in terms of informing and uh, and and opening up and making clear the actions of our fellow uh, robes or fellow robed individuals. Uh, and, and what I'm thinking of specifically is in regards to um, the more extreme versions of this story. You know, so in the case of people like Devadatta, it, 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 it is never made clear, even to this day and age, that there are people who, 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 who do this sort of thing, that, that this sort of thing exists in the Sangha. And so it's, it's a really hush-hush, keep it quiet, put it under the, under the carpet sort of thing. And this is really going to be... Uh, a real problem for Buddhism and for the Buddhist Sangha in the future, as we can see with the Catholic Church. The, the, um, the disgrace and, and the, uh, the problems that the Catholic Church has, the scandal of the Catholic Church, is uh, really not something that, that, that Buddhism or the, the Buddhist uh, monastic order is at large is free from. Now those those people who are acting uh, as the Buddha taught for monks to act are really are, are not a problem at all. The problem is that there are, you know, what might one might call priests in their midst, and 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 in the the Buddhist order. So you will see many temples, which actually should be called Buddhist monasteries, that, that are just full of priests when they're posing as monks. They're wearing these robes, but all they're doing is doing the official ceremonies. Then they go back to their, their, their rooms, their houses, or, or whatever, and, and behave as ordinary human beings, and often behave far worse than ordinary human beings, because they don't have the uh, social structure, they don't have the oversight that an ordinary human, people, being, uh, ordinary human would have. 
So because they're thought of as someone wearing the robe, like in the case of this elephant, um, they're, they're put on a pedestal. And so the, the lay people will say, you know, that, that's a monk, we can't touch him. Uh, the other monks will say, uh, you know, we're not supposed to talk about these sorts of things. And, and I think get the wrong idea that in general it's wrong, it's bad, it's unwholesome to talk about these things. When in fact it, it, it's something that's really going to hit us hard and have a, a huge impact. It already is having an impact. Buddhism is getting a bad name. In America it's, it's making the papers. You know, what, do, what, do Buddhist monk, what do Buddhist monasteries do when a monk commits child abuse or sexual abuse? They, they move the monk to another monastery and, and, and try to pretend it never happened. They don't tell anyone that it happened. They don't tell the other monastery that this monk is, is a child abuser or so on. Uh, and uh, this is how it goes. Uh, so what's going to happen? You know, obviously this sounds quite familiar. This is exactly what the Catholic Church did. And you can see what has happened to the Catholic Church. It's obviously lost a lot of its reputation and its um, accountability. And Buddhism is very much the same. I think it's important that we talk about these things and that we open up. There are many different types of, monk, of, of people wearing this robe. Just because you're wearing this robe doesn't mean you're like me. Uh, you know, not that I'm a good specimen. You know, I'm one type of monk. And there are other monks who are far more strict and, and straight and, and, and in line with the ancient um, code of discipline than I am. Uh, and then there are, there are people wearing this robe who have no discipline whatsoever. Uh, and there are many different you know, interpretations in between. There are monks who I think are very worthy and noble, but they still break many of the rules, and I think, well, that's fine. They, they have nobility and they practice meditation, and they are great beings, often beings that I look very much up to. Uh, and then there are other beings who, you know, maybe keep some of the rules or keep very strict rules, but really have no, um, you know, nobility inside of them at all. There are people who don't have either, who don't have any sort of rules and don't have any sort of, of, of nobility. So people who have the the Dhamma but not the Vinaya, people who have the Vinaya but not the Dhamma, and people who have both and people who have neither. Uh, I would say as long as you have the Dhamma, it's not really a problem, because lay people can have the Dhamma without the Vinaya. Without all the rules, they can be noble in their hearts. So if a monk is noble in his heart, and maybe doesn't keep the rules very strictly, I don't have a problem at all with that. In fact, I, I look very much up to that person. But if a person doesn't have nobility, then the, the rules really won't help them at all, and the robe certainly won't. And so, uh, the, the short story is here two things. One, that uh, I would caution people going to temples and talking to priests, and thinking that somehow they're going to come out with Buddhism. Uh, there are many temples, Buddhist temples around the world, and I would say, as soon as you find out that it's a Buddhist temple, I would be at least 50% suspicious. When you find out that the monks are called priests, that would be at least 75% suspicious. Uh, and there's always a chance that people just don't, the, the, mon the monastery doesn't understand what the word temple and what the word priest means, and so as a result, they just follow, use these words. And they're just words. And in fact, you could twist them both to mean very good things, and if, if you want. But in general, 90% uh, of the time, uh, there's no meditation going on, there's very little study of the Buddha's teaching, and uh, there are a lot of corrupt and unwholesome activities going on. There's, there's infighting. I've been to temples where there were three different groups of monks in the monastery and they were at each other's throats. 
I've been through many, many different situations at many, many different Buddhist temples. Um, so I would, uh, that, that's the one side of it. On the other side, I would say uh, we should not be afraid to, and we should be aware, and, and we should make a clear division uh, in regards to those monks who are doing these corrupt things, that if someone uh, is found, you know, ha ha if there is charges, if there are charges against a monk, you know, this monk apparently they had DNA uh, evidence that he had fathered the child of this this 12-year-old girl or, or whatever it was, some you know, a, a case of obvious child abuse. Uh, you know, even even if it wasn't such an obvious case, there should be a trial. You know, the, the monks should hold a tribunal according to the Vinaya and, and it should come out clear. And it should be clear to the lay people that this is what we're doing. You know, what are you doing? Well, we're having our, our investigation and we're going to see if there is, and we're going to be impartial and we're going to be open and then we're going to come and tell you these are our findings. You know, and, and if we find that this monk has, you know, beyond reasonable doubt committed this offense, then we're going to kick him out and we're going to ostracize him and we're going to say, this is no longer a monk, he shouldn't be wearing the robe. If he's wearing the robe, he's wearing it in theft. And we're going to come out and tell you, because according to the Vinaya, that's what, according to the Buddhist monks, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have a... See, people misunderstand, they think, oh no, according to the monks' rules, you're not allowed to talk about a monk's offense to lay people. But the exception is, unless you are that person who was supposed to be appointed by all of those monks keeping their mouths shut, to be the person to tell the lay people. The, the point being not to, to hide it. The point being not to let just anyone go out and tell anything. You know, because then Devadatta says, oh yeah, the Buddha was committing you know, this, this, he was committing these offenses against the Vinaya, he was having sex with women and so on. You know, anyone can just go out and say anything. But according to the rules, it's only the spokesperson who has been elected as the representative. Your job is to go out and tell the lay people. They're waiting to hear what happened. We're going to be, you know, now it's very easy. At this point, you could go on the news and be the representative and say, this is what we've found. And then it's up to the lay people to decide whether it's a reasonable finding or not. Now, that's not happening. What's happening is half of it, the, 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 the negative side, you know, okay, we're not going to say anything, and then, you know, so what? So nobody's going to say anything. And then uh, people think, oh great, we can just hide it and pretend it didn't happen and we don't have to get involved. But no, it's not great. People will find out, and when they eventually do find out, we're going to have a, a problem as big or, or even bigger than the Catholic Church, and that will be of a great detriment to Buddhism. The critics of Buddhism will be able to say, see, see, people who are jealous of the fame and the, the, the greatness that Buddhism has has uh, has found and that the Buddhist teaching has brought uh, the, the great things that the Buddhist teaching has brought the people who are looking to uh, undermine that will have great ammunition for it uh, and it will be a, a great loss to the world um, so this is one very important reason to talk about the difference between these two kinds of of monk that just because someone is wearing the robe doesn't mean they are a great person and some people are not worthy of the robe it can happen that someone wears a beautiful, expensive, wonderful robe and be totally corrupt inside. Because the point is not the color of the cloth, the point is the color of your mind. Is there, are there stains in your, in your mind? And it's not the stains on your robe that count. Um, yeah, so I think that's, um, that's a, a very important uh, issue here. 
I think another, another point that I wanted to make in this regard was in regards to Devadatta's behavior in general, which is in terms of uh, uh, corrupting lay people. And this goes on the other side, where people uh, encourage, uh, accept and, and appreciate the, um, the activities of such a priest or, or monk, and they come to expect it from the monks. Many people wonder, well, why, why shouldn't a monk do things for lay people? Why shouldn't a monk, you know, act as a doctor and, and, uh, or, uh, you know, a fortune teller or so on? Why shouldn't a monk do these things, uh, work, you know, doing good things that the lay people want? I would say there are three very good reasons. And it's very, very much against the Buddhist code of, of uh, conduct for a monk to act as a doctor, for a monk to be a fortune teller, for a monk to to do all of these things, which actually are, some of them can be very good and wholesome things. You know, cannot act as a messenger for lay people, cannot do work for lay people, cannot act on their behalf. You know, I've had people want me to translate uh, legal documents into English or so on, and I've had to say no. Uh, and then they get angry and they think, well, why won't you do this for me? Why won't you, you know, do, do this favor for me? Three reasons. <clears throat> the first one is that it it encourages uh, defilement among the lay people. Because what monks are allowed to do for lay people is help them to give up their defilements. If it's something that, that directly uh, improves your state of mind and, and your purity of mind, that's what monks are allowed to do. When you do other things, you are getting involved in the defilement. So you're, you're translating legal documents, or even if you're acting as a doctor. These may be, in a worldly sense, good things, but they're actually... Um, what they do instead is uh, encourage people to become attached to, you know, physical health, for instance, and so on. Uh, there's nothing wrong with doctors in, in a worldly sense. It's, it's a part of the world where you have doctors, you have teachers, you have these people who do quote-unquote good things and allow people to gain their livelihood and so on. But in the end, all of it becomes meaningless. And when you engage in that, you're encouraging and you're setting this idea in lay people's mind that this is the ultimate goal. The ultimate is to uh, find material we wealth and health and well-being and so on. And it's, it prevents them from think ever thinking that there might be something more important in terms of uh, their mental well-being. Well, this is the one reason for, no and of course, you know, all of these ceremonies and, and blessings and so on and helping people to uh, find material benefit and and encouraging people to become superstitious and so on, uh, you know, even telling their fortune, their horoscope, or so on, which actually may have some grain of truth. Apparently, the stars somehow can can tell something, and there is a science to how the you know the interconnectedness of the universe. How you know you can look at a certain aspect of the universe and tell something about another aspect of it. So the horoscopes could have some truth to them. May may not. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, it's, it's not right. that doesn't mean that we should go about uh, you know, uh, using this for material gain or for, for any sort of gain whatsoever, because obviously the idea here is to let go and give up and accept and to be happy and content with whatever comes. That's the first reason. The second reason is it corrupts one's own mind, um, because as a result of doing all of these things, you're, as I said, you're surrounded by people who are also thinking about these things, um, your interactions with people become more base and, and less less interested in, in you know the goal of the Buddhist teaching and, and giving up and purification and so on. Uh, 
and and the 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 great majority of the, almost every all, every time all of the all of the uh, examples of this are you become caught up in material gain now you, you most people will become corrupt you know as they start to get more money and fame and and wealth you know many monk, many people wear the robe and still keep money uh, and you know it's possible you can do that without becoming corrupt but uh, for most people they do become corrupt and you, what you see for the majority of people wearing the robe when they start to touch money is they become very much attached to money and always thinking about ways that they can make more money and get more wealth and and uh, they're always worried about money they have bank accounts and they're always thinking about the money they have and how to keep it and uh, and, and so on and then people come well this is the one side is how it corrupts your mind I guess a, a, another separate reason, but the same sort of reason is, even if your mind isn't corrupt, uh, the interactions in this regard, you know, for monks who keep money, for monks who um, get involved in in the activities of lay people, get involved in so many uh, priestly activities, uh, is that it, it obviously takes away from your time that could better be spent meditating. There's an example of a monk who people are very has a great amount of respect from the lay people, and appears to be doing it out of the goodness of his heart. He's, he acts as a doctor, so he has all these cures for everything. You know, he, he's able to find a cure. Um, in in sometimes he uses his mind power to see what's wrong inside of people. Uh, sometimes he uses he gives her herbs or he gives special uh, cures, uh, therapeutic cures, or, or uh, you know methods to to cure various illnesses appears that he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart now he, he's also getting very rich as a result he's able to build a huge temple or monastery and meditation center now the problem is no one's coming to meditate or people are are are, are not really at all interested in coming to meditate there and so when he go wherever he goes somewhere he was invited to give a talk on meditation and he couldn't give the talk because he was swarmed by people from all over the the, the area trying to get a cures for their illness and so he said you know I want to teach meditation but I this is what he claims it could be true he said, I want to teach meditation but you know there's all these people who 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 want to be cured and so he never has time because people are always asking me I went to eat lunch with him and he didn't have time hardly to eat lunch there were people coming up and asking him for cures to this and cures to that I want to get pregnant one woman said so he gave her a way to to, to become pregnant um, so go figure. These these uh, are the you know this is one of the result. Another result is simply from keeping money. I've seen very good monks, very good monks who keep money, and uh, end up with a lot of money, and they don't they're never attached to it. But what you see is that the people who sort of type of people who gravitate towards them and and tend to surround them are generally not the sort of people who uh, who meditate or who are in who are as as pure as they are, because a monk if he's very pure, can attract a lot of support from, from lay people. But, you know, the question is whether the people surrounding that monk will be of a similar caliber. And it can often happen that they are not, that the, the more moral, the, the, the disciples of this monk who are interested in meditation will go off and meditate, and those people who are interested in money will, will surround this monk and start to control, and, and, and as a result you see a lot of corruption in, in relation to... Uh, you know the monasteries, the places where these sorts of people reside. Uh, so even even uh, if if 
these sorts of activities or you know living as a priest uh, or living as a uh, in ways that you know supporting lay people helping lay people in in worldly things even if it doesn't corrupt your mind it it certainly takes away from your ability to run a, a meditation center or to uh, encourage people in good things in general the third uh, problem with this sort of behavior and another reason why the Buddha forbid it and it's very clearly forbidden these sorts of things is that it corrupts or it, it har it's harmful towards other monks so here I said it's harmful towards the lay people it's harmful towards one's own practice but it's harm also harmful towards good and wholesome and uh, uh, moral and, and um, you know well-behaved monks because if they are not doing these sorts of things, then they're not going to have hardly any support from the lay people. I've experienced this, and I know many monks have, where, uh, as I said, you know, unless you do the things that they want to do, they get angry and upset at you, and they leave, and they might even become your enemies, and they might even start to turn other people against you, and can cause very a lot of problems for you. You know, even just getting uh, the the basic necessities of life, which are you know, getting food on alms round. I've had a monk. Uh, go around telling people uh, anyway actually in a whole other story it's not related but uh, you know when 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 people when you don't act in the ways that people expect you you know for here instance here in Sri Lanka people expect me to do these chants in the morning they want me to do chanting with them and after before breakfast they want me to do chanting when they bring breakfast when they bring lunch they want me to do chanting before we, before they give me lunch so I just go on an alms round and luckily there are many people here who are very happy to just give me you know whatever food that they have some people give me food every day even uh, as I walk by their house and they do it out of the goodness of their hearts and because they respect and they appreciate what I do uh, but there there are many wrong expectations of people that a monk should be somehow a priest and they talk about monks here they call them priests now they don't maybe understand what the meaning of the word priest is because it's an English word but um, you know they they sure many many in many cases act like it as though they expect the monks to work for the lay people, and sh certainly a monk can and should teach people how to become free from suffering. But he certainly should not, um, in, in you know teach people how to um, cling and become superstitious and to um, you know engage in blind ritual. And he certainly shouldn't work for the, the work for other people in terms of you know, being forced into you know, doing these rituals and so on. Anyway, it's something that uh, has come up here. But you know, people are, are not. It's not that they're forcing, but they don't understand about this. And so I think it's important to explain why it is that uh, you know actually we ordain to become free from suffering and to look. You know, we ordain to give up really. Um, to not need this kind of support. So the basic necessities of life I get from people you know, as I walk by their door and they don't have any thought that I'm going to do something for them. Uh, of course, if they want to come meditate, they can, but they, they, they do it out of the goodness of their heart and it's really nothing to them. They make breakfast and they give me a part of it. Or they, they make lunch and they, you know, as I walk by, they're giving me some little bit of curry or a little bit of rice or, or whatever they have on hand and because they appreciate what I what I stand for and what I do and because they understand the importance of giving and so on and it's just in general a very wonderful thing uh, but uh, 
the, the, you know, the, the reason or the, or the whole meaning of it or of our lifestyle is that we don't want to have to participate and waste our time with you know, amassing um, wealth. You know, I could go out and, and uh, make money and, and have all the food that I want, have all the clothes that I want, and have whatever I want whenever I want it. Um, but that, of course, um, would leave me no time to understand and to uh, investigate the nature of reality and to practice meditation and so on. So, which of course is our duty as monks. So I think, um, so I think we should be clear in terms of our understanding of the difference between these types of of, uh, of individuals. The one who puts on the robe as a uh, and and begins to act as a, an official or um, officiate over ceremonies and rituals, and a person who takes it as a, as a way of letting of giving up of leaving society, of taking on a lifestyle of renunciation um, where one wants to devote all of one's time to the practice and the study and the teaching of uh, those things that lead to peace, happiness and freedom from suffering. Uh, and this is in line with the Buddha's teaching which he gives in, this ver in these two verses that uh, a true person who, ha who is a person who is truly um, worthy uh, to wear the stained cloth is the one who has given up the stains in their mind, who has training, who has trained themselves in the Buddha's teaching and who has truth and is in line with the truth. So what they teach, what they practice, what they study is in line with the truth. They're not someone who is um, stained inside um, but wearing something very pure and noble outside. Uh, so they have the stains outside on their robe and the stains inside on their mind. Uh, this is someone who is uh, not worthy of the of the stained cloth. So, um, rather lengthy, but uh, I hope there was uh, some benefit to that. I think it's an important topic and something that is important to bring up, and this is a good chance, a good opportunity. So thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of our uh, discussion of the verses, of, of the study of the verses in the Dhammapada. Thanks for tuning in. All the best.